a phantom to lead you in the summer. This is the Rockaroo. Well, the Rockaroo is joined again today by special co-host this time, Phantom. Always an honor to uh, join the Rockaroo, and I'm really looking forward to co-hosting this time. So it's it's a responsibility that I do not take lightly, and I will be trying to uphold the tradition of the Rockaroo. Let's get after it. Well, yeah, a little more pressure on you this time. Last time, last season, you were a, a, a guest with myself and the antidote. This is the Rockaroo, usually a uh, weekly podcast about the Colorado Rockies, a, uh, a Rockies podcast for the fan by the fan. And Phantom is, in fact, a Rockies fan. That is why he's joining us today. The antidote uh, is out on a little holiday as the Brits like to say, and uh, we we are more than fortunate to have access to Phantom filling in for us today. But yeah, a little more pressure on you. You got to fill a little more time. I th- I mean, I know you can handle it. I'm not even going to say I think you can because I know you can. Well, I I appreciate that vote of confidence. And you know, last time I was just the third wheel, and this time obviously I will have to. Provide a little bit more direction, a little bit more energy, right? I think when you're when you're the co-host, you got to bring a little bit more. Uh, our good friend Danny once told me that when we were watching uh, Conan O'Brien and Tom Hanks, Danny Danny said something to me that really stood out in my mind. He said, "It's on the guest. It's up to the guest to bring the energy to the show." So I don't want to mess with the flow too much, but I will be looking to bring a little bit of my own phantom energy to the rock route. It's funny that you bring that up because I remember that moment as well, watching that episode of uh, Conan. Uh, I think he said something about how Tom Hanks is like a professional guest. He was prepared. And uh, it's interesting that we both remember that actually. But when Danny speaks, you listen, you know. (laughs) Danny, Danny's a wise man. And he certainly knows that world far better than uh, than your average Joe. Well, you know, it's speaking of Danny and the Rockies. You know, I want to bring this full circle, make sure it relates. He uh, not a huge fan of the Rockies logo. Um, I don't know if he's ever talked to you about that or not, but uh, I'd like to get him on here sometime and, and discuss that a little bit. He has there. not. He has not brought that up to me. Do you know what his specific beef is with the logo? Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to speak for him. I don't want to put words in his mouth because uh, we did have this conversation. Uh, oh, maybe two seasons ago now, but it was about something. It, it, it was too kind of 
I think his main argument was that they've they've been going with it for too long. Uh, I think it was mainly actually the mountain logo, the side patch, right, with with the ball and the mountains, not the not the new age one with the uh, that that's on the batting practice helmet or caps, but the one that's on the patch that they've had since '93. Uh, so. Uh, it was just kind of a conversation through text message, so you know how that goes sometimes. Right. So he's got an issue with the baseball streaking across the yeah, uh, I think so. Purple Mountain Majesty. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the Rockies have bigger problems than logo <laughs> issues right now. Which... Yeah, well, you know, it, it's such a bummer that uh, you're – your 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 number was called. Your spot start was called after kind of a a shitty shitty past couple uh, five games. Well, four games specifically uh, from from the Rockies of Colorado. Yeah, I I mean it's unfortunate, but at the end of the day, uh, I'm no I'm no fair weather fan, and part of part of what you guys do at the Rockaroo, which one of the things I love about the show is. You know, we get to talk about things that potentially hold everybody accountable and some of the issues that have cropped up and also provide our two cents on, I don't know, maybe maybe looking at some solutions or ways to, to change the mojo because it seems like the boys are, are stuck in neutral right now for whatever reason. And I mean, I, I think that's part of part of what I'm looking forward to doing here today is discussing some of those issues and Again, Bud Black, you know, uh, my phone is always available if you want to talk. Uh, Jeff Breidick, I think, you know, <clears throat> the Rockaroo, myself, if you guys want to have a little round table, maybe dinner at Elway's part two, uh, we, can, we can help you guys hash some of these things out because I do not want to be mired in this run of, you know, mediocrity slash just poor play for too much longer. Yeah, it's it's for me it's upsetting. I think really these last four games, uh specifically the last three in Philadelphia. Before we get too much into it, I did want to ask you sure. as as another Rockies fan, so far through about a month and a half of play, 2019, what What's your overall impression of the Colorado Rockies? Well, I think it's the two words or the the term, the phrase that I would use to describe it is frustrated disappointment. Um, You know, when I take a step back and look at kind of the arc of the season, the start was just atrocious. Okay. And we don't have to, you know, get into the nitty-gritty details of how bad that was, but as a fan, the things that I told myself, the things that I told my friends, I was like, okay, like nobody nobody wins in April and you know, let's check back with the standings 4 to 6 weeks out because those statistical anomalies they can happen. The Rockies were not a team that was going to lose you know, 80% of the games that they played, which is what they did at the start of the season. And they did, they did bounce back, but the reason that it's continuing to be frustrating disappointment 
at the moment is okay. They, they creep back up towards 500 and then they just can't get there. They sabotage themselves and they just can't get over that hump. And when you couple that with the expectations that I had, and I think the rock had going into this season, then the frustration even doubles down because I know we have good players on our team. I know that this roster on paper and our leadership, we should be a team that's competing for a division title. And for whatever reason, we haven't even been able to sniff that level of play. Um, and we can talk about, we can talk about how, you know, this team's MO and one of the things that I do like about them going back to last year is they always continue to fight. But I think it was brought up on a previous episode how kind of everyone's attitude related to this team is, oh, we just got to keep fighting. Like, let's get to 500 at the all-star break, maybe a couple games over, and then we'll go on this amazing run in late July, August, September, and that will get us into a wild card spot. And those are tremendous runs and there's all types of positive memories and emotions associated with that theme, but I want to be done with that. And I know you do too. I want this team to take the bull by the horns because I think we have the talent at every position in order to do that and win the division or at least come down, have the playoffs taken care of in September and be in, you know, a knockdown drag out battle with the Dodgers, um, probably the Dodgers right now, based on how things are looking. Like I want to, I want to slug it out toe to toe with another really great team to win the division. And then I want the expectations to be reset into the playoffs and, that's where I saw this team heading this year. Obviously it hasn't been that way. So to, to go back and kind of recalibrate and answer your question, that's why for me, the first, you know, six, seven weeks of this season has have been uh, a frustrating disappointment. Well put. Well, frustrating for sure. Uh, especially with that three and 12 start and disappointing. You know, very disappointing with what they did last year. Uh, you you like to see, or you assume, right, as a fan, you assume that Marquez is either going to be as good or take a step forward. Uh, same with Freeland. Really, those two guys. And it, it hasn't, I mean, Marquez is, has been good. I mean, he goes almost uh, two no-hitters deep in, into games, the one there in San Francisco and then the one in Milwaukee. But then the problem is the one in Milwaukee, they end up losing that game. I think he had a perfect game into the sixth inning, if I'm not mistaken. So the stuff's there. But then, you know, his last two starts haven't been terrible, but haven't been great, haven't been, you know, five runs each. And it's like, man, that uh, especially for a team that has a lot of ground to make up, it's it's hard to for me, it's hard to justify that as Marquez taking a step forward. And then with Freeland, I don't know. Obviously, it hasn't been good. 
Uh, we're sitting here on uh, May 20th, a Monday. So Sunday was Freeland's start in Philadelphia. He only goes an inning and two-thirds, only gives up three runs, but he left with two guys on. Uh, and I don't – the thing with Freeland, I don't know if – we talked about it earlier in the season about the blood – or the – I don't know. I can't remember if it was a blood blister or straight-up blister on his uh, pitching hand middle finger. But we talked about how, you know, even you can – as a pitcher can come back from that, but I mean, that can be a season long nagging injury. I think the antidote even brought up how last year, uh, Rich Hill was basically down all season on the Dodgers because of a, uh, something like that on, because he throws such a, or he relies so much on the breaking ball, the curveball, And, and it's kind of the same situation with Freeland. You know, he's not going to overpower you. He's all about location and, and, uh, um, pitch sequencing. So I don't know if Freeland is still injured or if he's just not playing great, but it's an, it's something that they got to figure out. And we keep saying that like, Oh, you know, the whole thing with the Rockaroo this season was we're, we weren't going to say, you know, it's a long season. And, but at, at a certain point you got to start winning, consistently i mean right now they're as we sit they have an off day today but they're stuck in a four game skid losing skid and i think a lot of it has to do with starting pitching not being very good and it's something that is a concern for me i i agree 100 percent and you know, as a Rockies fan, lifelong Rockies fan, the unicorn we've been chasing since 93 <laughs> is a starting rotation that we feel comfortable and confident in. And all signs this year pointed to that being one of the major strengths of the team. And the fact that it hasn't worked out that way, it's just like, God damn, man. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> while we were there, we have everything in place, you know, on paper. We got the the starting pitcher whisperer for a manager, Buddy Black. That's everyone talks about his ability to manage a starting pitching staff, and I think generally, in my opinion, Bud Black has done a good job overall managing the the Colorado Rockies in his career, but. Like our homegrown one dot ace comes into this season and he's struggled so mightily. And I'll spend a, a few minutes on him giving you my thoughts. Um, and I think you, you did a great job alluding to it earlier. But when you say that he doesn't have overpowering stuff, what that means to me as a sports fan in general is that his margin for error is so much slimmer than a guy like Marquez who he can go out there and get guys out consistently when he doesn't have his best stuff. He can overpower you. He can keep guys off balance. Whereas with Freeland, you know, it's every athlete, they rely so much on confidence. And when you chip away at a little bit of confidence, okay, chip away with the, with the blister. 
All right. That's one, that's one chink in the armor. Now he's searching, searching for answers that way. And then, okay. Even if the, the blisters healed, he gets a, a little bit of bad luck or, you know, he's given up, he's given up so many long balls. Now you have all these negative thoughts bouncing around in his head um, in opposition to last year when he was going out there and you could just see his demeanor, his body language. Like he knew he was going to get you out. He knew that he was going to throw that cutter to right-handers on the inside part of the plate above their hands. They were either going to swing and miss or break their bat. They wanted no part of that pitch. And he just doesn't have that same level of belief and confidence in his ability this year and with his stuff not being elite, 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 you kind of see this snowball effect in my mind where he's he's searching and he's just frustrated. He doesn't believe in what he's doing out there um, as opposed to the guy last year who, you know, he knew he was going to get you out. And he'd already won half the battle in knowing that and taking that approach to the mound. So I still believe in him 100%. Um, because I do believe that he is a mentally tough individual, but in terms of the, the overall arc of the season and the Rockies, he's going to have to figure it out sooner rather than later, or, um, they're going to have to, to make a significant move in my mind, not with Kyle Freeland, but, uh, this team needs a jolt right now. And, I think the best way to do that, and I think it's been alluded to on previous episodes, they need to get an elite starting pitcher or at least a guy who has that reputation because that's the weakness on this team right now. So if it's a Dallas Cakel, if it's a trade, I mean, we've talked about, you know, the Rockies have done a really good job of stockpiling pretty good assets in their farm system like pull the trigger right in the next three to four weeks to get a guy that's free agent signing with Keiko out there, or if it's a trade, I mean, I would love to see uh, a major brass ball move from the front office to get a guy who has the reputation of being an elite starting pitcher, because I think that would jolt everybody on this team to say, okay, we need to wake up boys. And we need to start winning games, not hover around 500 and be the team that can seriously challenge the Dodgers for the division title. Yeah, you had a lot of, a lot of great stuff in there. Um, the first thing I, I, I do is loved your metaphor about the chin of honor with, with uh, Freeland. And I think it kind of hits the nail right on the head to be uh, super cliche there. But, you know, starting with the blister. Because he did, I mean, hit the opening day, what was it, seven innings, two hits, one run, something, I mean, r- really good stuff. Uh, then the blister. He looked like Kyle Freeland. Yeah, yep. And then the blister pops up, and then you have things specifically yesterday. You know, first at bat to McCutcheon, he uh, looks like he strikes him out on a really well-located slider that the umpire calls a ball he ends up throwing seven more pitches and walking the guy like i get it you gotta be 
you gotta be you gotta not let the umpire dictate the game in that regard but when you make a pitch as good as he did that was in the zone the meat of the zone and the the batter was fooled whatever you you gotta have that pitch called and you get that first out that's a whole different game for freeland so that happens and then story misses a a pop fly in the shallow shallow outfield i get it the sun's bright but come on man you know, and then they get a grounder, and McMahon just straight up misses the ball. And <laughs> it's like, what the hell is going on here? And talk about eating at confidence. Like, that will, I mean, you got run, runners on third and second when it should have been like a three up, three yeah. down. Now you can't say, even if he does strike out McCutcheon there, it's a, you know, it's a different inning, but it helps when you get that first batter out. So, uh, Things like that are sometimes you need your your uh, homies in the field to help you out a little bit, and they were not at all. And you need you the fucking umpire to to call strikes. And I get it. We're, we'll talk about how you know uh, it's hard back there for them too, and I'm sure it is, especially nowadays when uh, pitchers are throwing harder. They're they're throwing pitches that move, you know, whatever eight inches. And the whole umpire calling balls and strikes like worked back when the game was created. But now I think the game's evolved a little further. I don't really want to – I'm leading to the whole automated strike zone conversation. Don't really want to get into that. Um, would, however, like to hear your thoughts on that. But uh, it's kind of a big deal. Like it makes me – seeing umpires not call – a strike zone properly. And I'm not talking like the close ones, but the ones that are like five inches because then that next at bat to Segura, I think he struck out on a pitch that was, uh, it's like five inches inside and that's not good either. I mean, yay for Freeland, but it, it makes you look bad as an umpire and it upsets me. It's as a fan, uh, frustration big time there. Um, and then the, to talk about the, you know, bringing in a free agent or maybe making a move for a, an established guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Antidote brought that up like three weeks ago and you might as well do it now, you know, before you lose more games. So I think the problem with the, with uh, signing specifically Keichel and Kimbrell are these teams are scared to give up their draft pick. And so, which is kind of, it seems like a flaw in the system. Uh, I'm sure you have, have some thoughts on that as well, but uh, you know, those guys will probably sign after the draft, but that's not till early, early June. Um, we still got, got May games left to be played. So, I don't know. I don't know if anyone's going to sign those guys for that reason. And then the spark thing, I think you're 100% right there. And I think they tried that with Brendan Rogers calling him up for this weekend. And I don't think it, I don't think it worked. Yeah. I mean, on, on <laughs> Rogers, well, I'll, I want to address pretty much everything that you said. Um, if I, 
if I if I may. Please so do. I'll, I'll I'll try to take it in uh, in order in sequence. But uh, you know, going back to the rhythm and the defense not backing Freeland up and just creating that snowball effect um, and eroding his confidence. 100% agree with that. And the, the general point about the umpire, like it just, you just get frustrated as a fan and because you want the game to have a certain rhythm when, when things are going well and you don't have to worry about the umpires because they're just doing their jobs. Everybody's allowed to settle in the players, the fans, and it's such a more enjoyable experience. Your emotions are not roller coastering in a way that just makes you mad. Like what rational human being wants to be pissed off yelling at their television? <laughs> yeah. Empire misses, but that's what happens. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know that that throws Freeland off kilter. And then the defense, which has just been happening far too often, but that goes back to the overall point that this team is just fragile right now. Like you can see that they're good, that they have talent, but they are shooting themselves in the foot. They are in a rut, I think, from top to bottom. And that kind of leads into that point about a jolt with trying to trying to make a big pickup. And my thoughts on you know, potentially losing a compensatory draft pick or whatever from a team standpoint, from a front office standpoint, I fully understand and respect that, especially for a relatively smaller market team. Your draft picks have tremendous value, especially when you're a team that cannot realistically compete um, with the Yankees and some of the other huge market teams consistently for that amazing free agent talent. But I also think that can serve a strategic purpose here because if I, if I go out and sign one of these guys, I'm putting the onus on my players to figure it out and figure it out. Now the guys like Nolan Arnauto, who I just paid a tremendous amount of money to because he wants to win in a Colorado Rockies uniform. I'm sending the message to him and to everybody else in that clubhouse that I don't care about losing a valuable asset for our future because I'm that invested in our present. And that type of thing I believe would have a trickle down effect. It would say, okay, like management believes in us here, boys. And ultimately it's the players who are 99.999% responsible for the wins and the losses. And if you take away their ability to have excuses or have the thought in the back of their mind that management really doesn't believe in us. And they, they say all the right things, but ultimately they don't get us the type of players that we need to get over that hump. They're perfectly fine with kind of this zone where we compete for a wild card and bow out meekly in, uh, in the first round or in the play-in game. When you take that away from them, I think you give yourself the best chance to succeed on a level 
that you haven't just about any other year that this franchise has existed. Right. And, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking about that now. They should have just signed Keuchel in the offseason and said, hey, I mean, look at what the Phillies did, right? They go out, sign the, you know, largest free agent contract ever, which uh, turns out might be the last uh, Major League Baseball free agent ever to sign. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they make the the move for Real Muto. They make the move to get Segura, who's a great player. Now, they're leading their division. Obviously, long way to go. Ow, man, Antidote just hit me with his pen from uh, wherever he is. But... You know, they are leading that division and they're winning games. And, you know, it, it it would have been nice to see that from the Rockies as well. Maybe not to that scale, but something. And, I mean, who knows? Maybe Keiko is like, I don't want to play in Colorado. Maybe maybe Breedick has made him great deal. I, you know, we don't we won't know that type of stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Spark thing is – is for real because they look super stale. You're running a platoon with the one effing free agent you did sign and Daniel Murphy. Uh, you know, he could still be dealing with the finger injury. I don't know, but it's like, man, you're going to sign that guy to play first and then run a, a left, right platoon with he and Mark Reynolds that like Mark Reynolds has been hitting cleanup and he's had his moments, but he's hitting 200. It's not like he's, you know, I, I, he shouldn't be in in my mind. I mean, I have I have issues with the lineup right now. We've got Dahl hitting third, who I I love David Dahl, but right now I don't think he belongs there. Uh, we could get into the lineup maybe here a little bit later, but um, it's kind of it seems like one of those things where nothing really is. You know, you, you, fragile is a great way to put it. It's all starting pitching, um, even with the guys you count on. I mean, you can't lose Marquez. In my mind, you can't lose Marquez starts, especially when he goes out uh, and pitches against the guy you never heard of. You know, talking about last, uh, what was it, last Wednesday night in Boston, Enrique, Enrique Gonzalez, Rodriguez, something like that. Like, you can't lose those games where Marquez starts. Like, yeah, Marquez gave up five runs, which you'd like to see him not give up five. But at the same time, you got to put the hurt on on that, that other guy. Still don't even know his name. And, you know, no disrespect, just he, you know, he's just one of those guys. And, uh, and then you start talking about the strikeouts, so the Rockies are fourth in baseball with strikeouts. And the other problem is they're in the bottom eight in walks, bases on balls. So, for example, I think Milwaukee, uh, not to say the Milwaukee's crushing it or anything, but they're, I think they're third in strikeouts, and but they're, they're also like fourth in bases on balls. So not only are the Rockies striking out a lot, they're also not getting on base via the walk. Um, you know, may, mainly maybe it's because they're expanding the strike zone with their bat, but um, the strikeouts hurt. Well, I, think, I think that problem is also compounded by the pitching staff 
and their lack of strikeouts. I think the Rockies, they have like their 24th or 25th in baseball as far as inducing strikeouts. And I think from an analytics standpoint, I know, uh, you know, talking about saber metrics and, and whatnot is a little bit frowned upon here on. <laughs> hey, here man, on you go show. for it. We, hey, it's only because <laughs> it's a lot to no, go through. No. Have you ever looked at all those saber? Oh, my. Like, there's no, stuff to I, do. I, yeah, I wish that I had the time to study all the advanced metrics um, for baseball. But my overall point here is I think it's probably okay to strike out, especially when nobody's on base. Like if your approach is I'm either going to hit a home run or try to drive a ball, you know, for an extra base hit or strike out, that to me is perfectly fine. I think the risk reward there um, I have no issue with. But the problem, one of the problems for me related to the Rockies is they have that approach when – there's runners on second and third base and less than two outs. It's like, I need to try to hit a three run bomb and far too often that results in a strikeout. So with a, with a few exceptions up and down the lineup, I think the Rockies hitters are a little bit tone deaf to situational hitting. Uh, God bless Trevor story and his talent. And same thing with David Dahl, but they fucking strike out way too much in high pressure, high stress situations when you should be able to scratch one or two runs across the plate instead of always playing for the big inning. And I think, again, that's compounded by the fact that it seems like the other team figures it out or gets lucky with, you know, a weak ass ground ball in the hole between first and second that really has no business generating a scoring play, but because the Rockies get unlucky, now all of a sudden they're down 5-2. And then they come back and they inevitably hit a two-run homer in the later innings, and all all we have is the frustration again where it's like, fuck, we should be in extra innings right now if it weren't for that asinine, weak-ass play. But we don't execute that play near often enough in my opinion and, and that just seems to be purely from an observational standpoint I don't know what the numbers would say but that's what it feels like with this team like we strike out in high pressure important situations far too often we don't get the strikeouts when we need them in those converse situations when our guys are on the bump and that's again why this year part of the reason why this year has been just so so frustrating and and then you add really the expectations too right i think that's a big part of it as well we were like it's like we were sold a dream that hasn't been paying off uh and we forgave them for their performance in the uh divisional series right and we say well now you have the experience go get them go get them boys and they're not doing that Uh, that's that's what pisses off Rockies fans, uh, and really any sports fan, any any sport, any team that has those expectations and they don't cash in on it, it's just so it's so upsetting. And you go out and you, you know you're you're all pumped up and you're buying the merch and you're you're buying tickets and whatever, and 
they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get excited about the signing of Daniel Murphy, old Mr. Potato Face himself. And then, like, you find out that, okay, yeah. fine, he's injured, but goddamn, does that guy look lost out there. In in every situation, like I'm gonna I'm gonna make this point. I don't know if it's gonna be funny or not, but Daniel Murphy in his uniform, he looks like a slightly above average beer league softball player. Like that thing is it's tight. It's bursting at the seams. I think it was the point was made on a previous episode about how trim he was only a couple years ago with the nationals and then when he moves around on defense he looks like he's about to fall over everything's awkward he's flopping around out there like dude you're a professional athlete you need to look smooth like you need to have good footwork i don't care who you are i know like whatever man but it is just ugly like i said to me he looks like slightly above average beer league softball player in terms of the athleticism that he's bringing to the table. And I could forgive that if he was hitting three eleven and, you know, driving in runs and doing all the things, the bat control and drawing walks, all the things that he's supposed to bring to the table, but he's just not fucking doing it right now. Yeah, you took the the words right out of my mouth. I, I agree one hundred percent with the his physique is bad. It's I don't even I I don't know what he looked like last season, but it seems like you know he let himself go in all regards. His overall weight, the beard, the hair. Well, even like Jason Jennings, Jason Jennings, a blast from the past. He had a bad body. There's been guys who have bad bodies but they still look athletic out there. Like Murphy's got a bad body. Mr. Potato Face has a bad body. And he looks like, you know, he needs to spend (laughs) four straight weeks in a yoga studio before he can move properly. Yeah. But like you said, you could live with that if he was hitting 350 and drawing walks and driving guys in. 171 struck out three times yesterday. And then you got... You got Houston and Goodman up there, really. I mean, those guys should get medals of honor for their hype man abilities because they they can hype up anyone. I mean, go back to Desmond, uh, but they're up there. Oh, you know, Murphy really, uh, really just has got a great great idea of the strike zone and this and that. He's and he's just swinging through ninety two mile an hour fastballs down the middle of the plate that he should be, you know, spraying all over the ballpark. He with men on base. With men on base. He's hitting fourth, you know? Well I guess yesterday he was hitting sixth, <laughs> but um it yeah, it's tough. It's tough there. Let me let me ask you something. Okay. All right. So the Rockies, they're in a clutch A B. Okay. Yeah. And you you can't have Nolan and you can't have Chuck. Who do you want? Who's your guy beyond those two? Honestly, right, right now. Honestly, almost I wanna say Reynolds, but I can't say Reynolds. I gotta say Oh, you're probably not gonna like this. Oh man, this is a tough one. I might have to go Desmond Tapia. I guess Tapia though. 
Last couple games haven't been great. Desmond? Dude, Desmond's been finding some barrels, okay? I'm going Tapia, though. I am going Tapia. Maybe McMahon, even. Okay. That those McMahon was going to be my guy. Okay. Maybe a little bit of recency bias. Right. But he, he's one of the few young guys on the team who, when he gets up in a high-pressure high situation, I feel like he wants it even more. Like I, I sense a higher level of intensity, a higher level of focus when he has a late inning at bat when the team is down or tied. And I think it feels to me like he comes through or at least barrels the baseball, even if he makes an out. Like he's trying to work the count even more in his favor when he gets a pitch that he likes. He makes solid contact far more often. And then Tapia, who you know basically only made the team because he was out of options, what a what a revelation he's been offensively. Well, yeah, geez, give the kid some playing time, see what happens. And yeah, same with McMahon. I, I totally agree, and this goes back to I never really got to your Brendan Rogers question from earlier, but I'd like to take a stab at it now. Let's do it. Like I think that's a brutal move. I think it's I think it's forced i think it's an arranged marriage and i think (laughs) got a shotgun yeah well what i mean by that is okay it's it's more politics and asset management you have who you have the guy who's been touted as your top prospect for however many years uh he's consistently rated in the top 15 top 20 of major league all all prospects in major league baseball he was tearing off the cover. He was tearing the cover off the ball in AAA, right? What was he hitting? Like 350 or something? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so if I'm if I'm the decision makers in the Rockies, this is my problem. I can't hold this kid back any longer because he's been so hyped and our fan base and baseball, they know about him. He's the only guy that most people are going to be like, oh, yeah, Brendan Rodgers. He's the best prospect that the Rockies have. And he holds up his end of the bargain in AAA by absolutely annihilating the baseball. I have to manage his ego. I have to manage you know, my relationship with his agent if it's a big agent. So I have to call him up and give him playing time, even though, in my opinion, objectively speaking, the spot isn't there. Like, I don't want to fucking take playing time away from McMahon for Rodgers. If I'm taking anybody out right now, it's Murphy. Yes. I'm putting McMahon at first base. But, you know, Bud Black, they don't, they're not going to have the sack to do that because this is your major free agent signing. So that's what I mean by an arranged marriage. I understand they felt the pressure that they had to do this. But if you're going to make moves – because of artificial sources of pressure, then you should at least have the courage to make the corresponding correct move and take Murphy out of the lineup. Because I want I want McMahon's bad in the lineup. Like I need it in the lineup right now. I'll be honest with you. And I'm top of the same thing. I like everything what you said there. I when I read uh, the news on, I guess it was even like Wednesday night or maybe it was Thursday about 
Rockies most likely will call up Rogers on for this weekend. I was thinking, what? And you know, you can't blame Rogers, obviously, because like you said, he, he he did what he had to do in triple A. And, you know, he's getting older by the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> aren't, aren't we all? Yeah. But, and so you want to maximize your, you know, your investment there as well. But like you said, there's not really a spot for him because you signed Murphy in the offseason. Um, so, and you don't want to, I mean, McMahon's hitting 260. It's not like McMahon isn't, you know, isn't doing his thing. And the problem is now, now you have the hottest prospect you've had in a long time. And now it's going to be this juggling act between he and McMahon, where it's like, really, you want to see Brendan Rodgers playing every day, no matter what, right? At this time, get him some consistent at bats. Yeah, you at least want him to have that chance because it's not fair otherwise. Or it's not, I shouldn't say it's not fair, but you want to. You want to maximize his chances of success. And exactly. 100% you do that by letting him play every day and figuring out his mistakes. Even against a right-handed yeah. pitcher. Ooh, what a novel idea. <laughs> and, you know, maybe what they should have done was put Daniel Murphy on the disabled or the injured list, whether he needed to or not, just to kind of buy some time. I don't know. He stopped wearing the wrap around the finger, but I think I think we'll see. I think we'll see that. I think we'll see more games with with McMahon, kind of like how they've done it with Desmond. You know, it's instead of you know everyday Rami, instead of the platoon between Dahl and uh, Dahl and Toppy, it's more of Dahl and. Desmond and if if Dahl can catch some fire but then it's like man we're paying this guy and we lost our first round draft pick because we signed him from a couple years ago uh but I mean sometimes sometimes you get the bar and sometimes the bar gets you <laughs> uh well I'm unfortunately I guess the one good thing related to this is we are at the point now where these types of moves that we're talking about, they're only contemplated by teams that are expected to win. Yes. Okay. And so I do appreciate that situation um, from Bud Black and, you know, the, the move with Anderson, uh, similar, similar situation. There's, there's a lot less patience with some of these guys right now. That's the trend that we're seeing. Um, potentially with this mistake, I don't know about mistake, but very difficult situation with Rogers, unless you are going to be willing to put Murphy on the IL so that he can hammer down Philly cheesesteaks and Bonnie Gray ice cream. I do want to mad props to McMahon though, coming out on Sunday and you know, Oh, Oh, you're going to call up Rogers. Okay. Fuck you. I'm going to go out and hit two bombs. One of them off a lefty. Uh, Great response there. Drilled it. Drilled it. Smoked it. Dead set. RIP, baby. Uh, Before we move on from Lil Murph conversation, I do want to get uh, privately. You've been referring to Daniel Murphy to me as interstellar. And I 
don't know what it means. Can can you, do you, will you explain? I, I would be happy to. I will preface uh, these comments with by saying that I was much more excited about uh, yeah. the signing. It was when he was hitting, hitting yeah. bombs in Atlanta. Yeah, it was when he was hitting bombs and um, it was fun. so the movie Interstellar with uh, Matthew McConaughey. Have you seen it? I have not. I've I've been oh. wanting to for a long time. Is it a okay. is this a spoiler thing? Uh, I think I'll be able to say this without spoiling because for for the listeners who haven't seen the movie. Uh, it's a it's a mind bender, time and space, uh, theory of re- relativity, um, trying to save the human race across you know multiple generations. Real real cool stuff in in my opinion from Christopher Nolan. But um, Matthew McConaughey he plays the, the protagonist of the story, and he has a daughter, uh, and he names his daughter Murphy after Murphy's law. And for those of you who aren't familiar with uh, basic high school physics, did not have the privilege of being taught by one Tyler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Both episodes. Both episodes. Tyler comes we, got, up. we got a Tyler doll reference in here, but uh, yeah, Murphy's law, uh, well-known, well-known law of physics uh, related to basically you know, chaos, that essentially the universe will devolve into chaos. That's just kind of how, how um, it's wired. I don't know if that's everything. I think like the, if you look it up, the definition is everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Right. Yeah. But I mean, which would be a, a chaotic environment. Right. And I just thought it was, a cool name for a character from a movie that, uh, that I really liked. And so that's why I've been, uh, referring to, to Murphy as interstellar. Now that he's struggling so mightily, perhaps the nickname, uh, makes more sense in kind of a, kind of a painful way. Um, and it's be more of a, a bittersweet thing the next time. I text you interstellar when Murphy strikes out on a 92 mile an hour fastball right down the middle of the plate with uh, two runners in scoring position. Well, if, if, if it stays true to the law, then things aren't looking good for Daniel. Um, right. That, that was the uh, interstellar origin nickname for me. I will say that you know, as, as much as I liked my own cleverness um, at the interstellar nickname. It doesn't hold a candle to the current Mr. Potato Fate. Well, yeah. So <laughs> it's just, I mean, come on when you look at him, I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to s- sit here and make fun of the way people look. And it really, it didn't, when I first thought about it, it wasn't about um, his looks. It was about the way he was moving his face around. Uh, then I, uh, then I just, <laughs> I started laughing hysterically because <laughs> it just fits so well. But maybe a silver lining with this whole Rogers, Murphy, McMahon stuff is maybe you, maybe you do, maybe he does, maybe he did eat one too many cheesesteaks and needs to just take a breather 
and then but then you, you know if i don't know it's their 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 roster is interesting because let's talk about this for a bit so the rockies have been running a four man rotation for quite some time now because of uh, a bunch of off days but i think they've got i don't i don't know eight or nine in a row coming up so they're going to have to whether it's maybe a spot start from Bettis and maybe you do a Bettis Almonte thing or they call someone up. What, what do you foresee for that fifth, uh, fifth day for Rocky's start? Well, I, I think I alluded to my thoughts on the matter. Oh. I'm not, I'm not trying to tinker with the margins anymore. You know, if they got to if they got to piece it together for one or two more weeks with Bettis or, uh, Anderson, can they call Anderson back up? I'm not sure how that works. I think I read. I didn't read. I just read the headline. Something about he might need surgery. So I, Anderson might be out of the the conversation. I don't know. Um, yeah. So presumably, I mean, Hoffman really struggled um, in his spot duty. You probably have to. Maybe you just have a straight up bullpen day, um, but. Again, these are you know quick fixes that aren't really fixes at all, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I want to see the front office make a big time splash here. I want them to sign somebody big or make a trade. I don't care at this point what it costs in terms of you know, draft picks or whatever, because. This is a team that I want to see win now. And it's still it still might not work out. I'm not sitting here saying that if they make this move and they wind up, you know, not making the playoffs or bowing out in a one game wild card again, at least you will have put all your chips on the table. Yeah. And that I can live with. I'll be upset, I'll be mad as a fan, but at least you took your shot, right? And as a small market team, that's the one thing where I wish teams like that would do it more often. Take a risk when you feel like you have the team, knowing that it's probably not going to work out because ultimately those are what the statistics say. There's only one team that can win, right? But when you're when you're a good team and you like have done a great job drafting and developing your prospects and you build up a lot of goodwill with the fan base. That's awesome, but I don't want that to be the ceiling. I don't want that to be the height of their aspirations. Right. Yes. Actually win instead of projections of winning. And you, you know, I think that's I go back to the off season, obviously retrospect and um, you know, it's not going to happen, but well, depending on some, uh, you know, interstellar level type stuff. You know, they, they're stocked at that middle infield position. We talked about it on the Rockaroo, Colorado Rockies podcast for the Fan by the Fan weekly podcast, in case you're jumping in in the middle or at the end here. Um, why not trade Hampson or McMahon or even Rogers? Maybe when you look back, maybe it should have been a Rogers for real Muto. You know, go for it. And sign Keiko. I brought up the whole thing. Sign Bryce Harper for one year for $50 million, you know. Um, or do something other than just Murphy 
but they didn't. And now you have, I mean, to me, Hampson still is like, he should have a shot to be an everyday guy. You know, I, I hate this whole, let's bring up the young guy and put him in a supporting role and see how he does. Oh, surprise, surprise, he doesn't do well. You know, I feel like those roles are should be for Mark Reynolds types, kind of veteran guys who have had their everyday shot. And or like even a, as much as I don't like to say it, even a Daniel Descalco, you know, like that's a better middle infielder backup than than your young Hampson. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think. It'd be nice to see McMahon at first and Rogers at second every day and just go for it and just say, you know what? Murphy can be our our bench guy, whatever, and then maybe we just have to release Mark Reynolds, you know, that's not a huge deal. But they are very player oriented, which is good. I mean, that's cool, but you know, you just made a great point about how the ceiling for the Rockies shouldn't be like, hey, we're excited about all these prospects and the possibility of being good. Let's let's make the ceiling a, a championship and consistent playoff appearances. Right. And I mean, if Brendan Rodgers is that good, McMahon to me has showed that he deserves to play every day. Mm-hmm. Like what a dangerous, dangerous situation for Murphy's Law, Mister Potato <laughs> Face, to be the bat coming off the bench. Yeah. Like okay, if he's so great, if he has an incredibly discerning eye, and he's a contact guy, like in those situations where there's max pressure on the defense, he should be the ideal guy to get shit done in those types of situations. If you have to get rid of Reynolds, that's, that's fine too. Like maybe finagling the roster because, you know, ideally if you could have both of them coming off the bench, right, left, mm-hmm. that's a tremendous situation when you need a home run, but I, I'm okay. Totally with jettisoning, jettisoning one of them if you need to, but I just feel like we're not, we're not putting our best foot forward right now by, Either, you know, just saying, okay, we're going to find out who our best young players are and or maximizing their value via trade. Uh, You said you've done a great job of stockpiling quality assets in a similar age range at the middle infield position. And all you're doing is losing value. Yes, exactly. By platooning all of them. Those guys, all they're doing is decreasing their stock because they're losing confidence. They're not being everyday players. They're not proving themselves. They're pissed off. It's not a good situation. Yeah, I go go back all the time to McMahon last season. McMahon should have been the everyday first baseman. Then you got to go and sign Carlos. And that just... (laughs) ripple effect with that, you know? And There's then, too much value in across all of sports, in my opinion, put on past performance. And that's that how these is, guys get paid. It's just a fact of life. Yeah, you get yeah. paid for past performance, not 
not for potential. And I think that landscape is shifting to a certain degree um, in other sports. Guys are starting to see that young guys on long-term contracts, those are probably the most valuable when you have guys locked in between the ages of 23 and 30, which is generally accepted as max, uh, max athletic performance throughout the course of a lifetime. Um, but it seems like the Rockies, they kind of still have that old school reward the veteran type of mentality. And I think it hurts us. I really do. Well, maybe they'll learn with, you know, Carlos last season and Desmond, unfortunately, as much as I want to like him. Uh, And then now Murphy. I mean, it's, and even uh, Brian Shaw. I mean, geez, they, Rocky should have won that game yesterday. In Philadelphia, uh, they, they should have won. Should have won a lot of games this yeah, week. Yeah, they lost. a lot of games this season. But yesterday's was just—it was a big blow, right? Because you, you you lost the first two. You were kind of struggling. Freeland goes out in the you know second inning. Bettis comes in and does a great job, and then your offense finally gets some mustard going. And then you get the lead, and Yancey does a great job. Though I think, I guess it was Yancey. Yancey was after. Yeah, wasn't it? Didn't go Bettis then Shaw. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. But and Shaw had been pitching so well prior, and then I hate to say it, but Antidote put the jinx on him. (laughs) Antidote jinx. Yeah, and he get. It's just like. Fuck, man. And because you walk, you walk the backup catcher who's hitting eighth, and then Rio Muto pinch hits and just smokes one out on you. Uh, eerily, that was tough. Eerily similar to the situation where John Gray should have yes. struck out the pitcher. I mean, the pitcher uh-huh. on the black. Yep. And he doesn't get that call, and then boom, McCutcheon to run homer. But that is like the Rockies' season. That's why it's been it so is. frustrating and so disappointing. It just seems like shit like that. The old adage in sports is that, oh, like all the, the calls even out, right? The calls even out. And the luck, the luck evens yeah. out. And if that's the case, the Rockies are going to win 20 games in a row after the All-Star break <laughs> because they're yeah. going to be the luckiest motherfuckers on planet Earth. Episode title. <laughs> Yeah, let, let's hope so. And, uh, you know, with all this, it's tough right now, you know, because they just lost four in a row on the road, got swept by Philadelphia. It's fucking snowing, you know, in Colorado. So it's like we're not into summer just quite yet. And it's easy to be gloom and doom. But I still, all that being said, I still believe in them. They do have to figure out the rot, what they're going to do with the Rodgers thing because he has to play every day. He just has to. Uh, you know, and you can't keep McMahon out, so it's going to be a slow kind of thing with that they've done with Desmond. So it'll it, that needs to get figured out. You need to get some semblance of a positive vibe in the clubhouse. I think just looking at these guys, which is funny because I mean we really didn't get into any any of these games specifically but uh 
you know, that, that game against Sale in Boston. Was, they won. They won that wow. game. You know? <laughs> yes. They set a major league record in that game, too. No team has ever struck out 17 times uh, before the seventh inning, or including the seventh inning. I, I saw that. Yeah. Setting, setting records. But they, but they won the game. Like, it didn't, it didn't phase them. Okay, one dot gave up another three home runs in that game, if I'm if I recall correctly. But they fucking they won the game. They generated a lot of positive momentum. Chuck clutch nasty. Like yes. I mean, freaking awesome. And then they they claw back the next day. And it's just they it seems like they're so close. And that's why I want this injection of confidence. This little shakeup, like the front office needs to do something that says, we still fucking believe in you guys because I know you do. I know I do. I know this has been maybe not the most optimistic of podcasts, but I will say as we get ready to wrap up here, I remain optimistic because I know that this team has good players. We just need something to help them rediscover themselves and their confidence. And then I do think that they can go on one of these magical runs that they, that they have in the past. I think that's a a great ending right there. Unless you got anything. Uh, The only, the only thing I'll say to wrap up. uh, Well, I guess I'll, I'll say a couple of things. Number one, thank you. Thank you again for allowing me to, to get on the rockaroo and, uh, spout off here it's always always an honor and a privilege i won't uh i won't attempt to give the antidotes trademark preview the only thing that i will say um is that uh, i wouldn't want to be a piece of double bubble in the pittsburgh the pittsburgh pirates uh, clubhouse <laughs> with, uh, with old, old clint chewing chan chan away there not a good time to be to be a piece of double bubble